Al-Bayan Radio presents the following lesson from Masjid Al-Azhar, Bilmo. Presented by Sheikh Muhammad Duar. Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man ihtada bihuda amma ba'd. Tonight, my dear brothers and sisters, we continue with our short series regarding Quraysh and their fighting against the da'wah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And tonight will be the last of the series. In our previous lesson, we spoke about how Quraysh, from the tactics that they used to fight the da'wah, was physically Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we gave a number of examples how Quraysh would attack the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's blessed body in order to try to turn him away from what he was calling to and to pressure him to give up his da'wah. And there's no doubt that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala insisted that his religion, the light of his religion remains, even if the disbelievers hate it. So, up until today, my dear brothers and sisters, even up until today, the harm towards Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam continues to exist. There are those who try, and we underline that word try because they fail without a doubt. Those who try to harm the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, whether it's in the form of disbelievers who draw cartoons about the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, or even from those who ascribe themselves to Islam, but they try to cause harm towards Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam by turning people away from his sunnah. Like if you take the Qur'aniyun sect, for example. The Qur'anis, my brothers and sisters, they claim to follow the Qur'an and not the sunnah. This is harming the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam or trying to harm the Prophet sallallahu even though they do not succeed. So this harm, it continues. And we mentioned that our Prophet ﷺ was not the only one who was harmed. It was actually the sunnah of Allah regarding most, if not all, the Prophets and the Anbiya and Rusul. When you take them all as examples, Musa ﷺ was harmed. Ibrahim was harmed by his people. Nuh and so forth. So this does not reduce from the status of Rasulullah in any way. If anything, it only raises his status and it raises the status of everyone who follows in that footstep. If you are harmed for your religion, then this is an honor for you. Because this is the footsteps of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and his companions. 
Today we take another tactic of Quraysh in fighting against the da'wah after speaking about the physical harm towards the Prophet and the words, abusive words. Today we take their attack towards the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. And no doubt this was also from their tactic in trying to turn off the light of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Brothers and sisters, there's a white Prado in the back. If you can please move your car as it is blocking people. <clears throat> so Quraysh, they did not limit their attack to the Prophet ﷺ only, no. Their attack and their fighting, it even went on to every Muslim who followed Rasulullah meaning the Sahaba. And the believers, the Sahaba, they were harmed the exact same way, both verbally and physically, just like the Prophet Quraysh, they would attack the Sahaba's honor, and they will call them the most evil of names. They would look down on the Sahaba, because Quraysh saw themselves to be the elite. And they would look at the Sahaba around the Prophet ﷺ and they would mock them. They would say, look, most of his followers are poor. Most of them do not have big tribes. For they would mock the Prophet ﷺ and they would mock the Sahaba عنهم, in this way. They were people of pride and arrogance. And from the ways that they would verbally attack the Sahaba, which was funny, is that they would say, he's a misguided. Quraysh would call the Sahaba misguided. وَإِذَا رَأَوْهُمْ قَالُوا إِنَّ As Allah mentions in Surah Al-Mutaffifin. When they see them, they say, verily, these are people who are misguided. So the ones with Tawheed worshipping Allah Azza wa Jal are misguided and them who worship Hundreds of idols, they're the ones on guidance. SubhanAllah. For Quraysh, they were very foul in their language towards Rasulullah and his companions. And Allah Azza wa Jal reminded the Prophet constantly that no matter what Quraysh say about the Sahaba, do not turn the Sahaba away, even if they're the poorest. Among you, even if they don't come from big tribes, don't turn them away. As Allah Azza wa Jal said, وَلَا تَطْرُدِ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ رَبَّهُمْ بِالْغَدَاتِ وَالْعَشِيِّ يُرِيدُونَ وَجْهًا Allah Azza wa Jal says, do not send away those who call upon their Lord, morning and afternoon, seeking his face. Allah says, don't turn them away. Let Quraysh say whatever they want. But the Sahaba, no matter how poor they are, whoever believes in Allah and His Messenger, he is greater and higher and more honorable than anyone. And that's, that's the richness of Tawheed. To be rich means to have Tawheed. Quraysh did not only harm the Sahaba verbally, but they harmed them physically all in an attempt 
to turn off the light of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the examples, my brothers and sisters, are so many. We're going to mention a few of them. But Quraysh would put a lot of pressure, especially early on when the da'wah first started. They would put a lot of pressure on the Sahaba, but the Sahaba proved themselves to Allah Azza wa Jal. They remained patient and steadfast. And they proved to Allah Azza wa Jal that no matter what pressure comes to us, what fitna comes to us, we will be steadfast. And of course they were going to be like that because who was their teacher? Who was their example? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So no matter how much pressure Quraysh put on the Sahaba, the Sahaba remained steadfast until the victory of Allah Azza wa Jal came. From the many examples, my dear brothers and sisters, from those who were harmed by Quraysh for Allah was Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. And Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu, they used to harm him verbally many times. And there were times where they harmed him while he was defending the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They would physically harm him while he was defending Rasulullah sallallahu There was an incident where they poured dirt in order to mock him on his head. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu. They threw dirt on the head of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. They even attacked him with sandals. They attacked him with sandals. And there was an incident where Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was dragged by his garment to his house. They would pull him from his garment to his house. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And that is something major because Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was not like many of the Sahaba who were poor or did not have support. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he had a huge family and tribe behind him, but it shows you Quraysh, their hatred, that they will do this to someone who they before would consider to be from the greatest people amongst them. And that shows you the evilness of Quraysh. You also have Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu ta'ala anhu. But Umar radiyallahu anhu, the attack on Umar, it was always more verbal. And the reason for that is because Quraysh, even though they couldn't stand Umar ibn al-Khattab once he became a Muslim, they still feed him. And Umar becoming a Muslim was a huge turning point for Islam. It's enough that the Prophet ﷺ made that dua. He said, oh Allah, give victory, give support to Islam through one of the two Umars. Meaning Umar ibn al-Khattab or Abu Jahl. Abu Jahl's name was Umar. So Allah answered his dua with the Islam of Umar ibn al-Khattab. And Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, the great Sahabi, he said, we continue to be honored since the Islam of Umar. Once Umar became a Muslim, it was a different ball game. That's where Islam began to gain the upper hand. But even Umar radiallahu anhu, he was abused. Uthman, Radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the one who married 
two daughters of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Uthman radiallahu anhu, his attack came from his uncle. His uncle was very harsh on him. When Uthman became Muslim at the very beginning, his uncle would physically beat him, trying to turn him away from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But once Uthman's uncle saw Uthman's steadfastness, he left him. And that is one of the greatest lessons, my brothers and sisters, that no matter how much pressure is put on a Muslim's deen, as long as you remain steadfast, Allah will make a way out for you eventually, always. So Allah Azza wa Jal will test you and He'll test your religion in order to see if you prove yourself or not. That's why we get tested. Are we going to prove ourselves to Allah or are we going to buckle and fail? For you as a Muslim, you must always have that mentality that no matter what happens, I'll remain steadfast inshallah for Allah. No matter what happens. And as long as you have that mentality, Allah will never keep you in a test forever. A test will come to an end. And once you prove yourself to Allah, He'll open the doors for you. Look at the Sahaba. Test after test after test after test. And then Allah opened the lands for them. And they became victorious. But you must always understand that. This is how Allah Azza wa Jal works. So Uthman radiallahu anhu, once his uncle saw it's useless, he left him. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the great Sahabi. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he was the first person to recite the Qur'an openly in Mecca after Rasulullah sallallahu The first one. Because in the early stages, only the Prophet ﷺ would openly recite the Qur'an because of Quraysh's pressure and their torture and their abuse. So the Sahaba at the early stages, we know they were in a state of weakness. So they would not openly recite the Qur'an. But then Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, he couldn't handle it anymore. He was the first one to openly recite the Qur'an after Rasulullah and before he done it, the Sahaba told him, don't do it. The Sahaba told him, don't do it. But he done it. And when he done it, they attacked him. And they left scars on his face, radiallahu anhu. You try to imagine and picture what they went through, subhanallah. A lot of our brothers who have Hamas, mashallah, they're, they're very enthusiastic in their religion, which is excellent. We hear a lot of times, man, I wish I lived with the Prophet <laughs> This type of wish, who knows where we would have been in the time of Rasulullah These people were hand-picked by Allah Azza wa Jal. Allah knew that they will handle these tests. But subhanAllah, the Sahaba, there's a reason why they're the greatest of people and they were the greatest companions of any Prophet. Every prophet and messenger from Nuh alayhi salam onwards had companions, all of them. But the companions of Rasulullah were the greatest companions of any prophet. 
that were better than the companions of Musa and Isa and Nuh and Ibrahim and, and, and. They were the greatest of people after any prophet and messenger, no doubt. And then you have the great Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And subhanAllah, Bilal is like the face when it comes to the persecution and the torture of the Muslims over their deen. Bilal radiallahu anhu, his master, the disbeliever from Quraysh, his name was Umayyah ibn Khalaf. Umayyah ibn Khalaf was one of the most evil people. The Prophet specified him in a dua. He made dua against him by name. And then he was killed in the battle of Badr. Umayyah ibn Khalaf, he owned Bilal. He was his slave. Because you know, slaves, it's your property. So you do whatever you want with your slave. No one can say anything to you. That's your property. That's how it was back then. So Umayyah ibn Khalaf, he will get Bilal radiallahu anhu, my slave, and he was a black slave. My slave became a Muslim, and he started to torture him. He would drag him out in the midst of the desert, lay him down on his back, and he will order for a huge stone to be placed on the chest of Bilal radiallahu anhu. And Umayyah will stand on top of him and he will say, By Allah, you're going to stay like this until you either die or you denounce the religion of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Bilal radiallahu anhu, as we all know, he kept saying, Ahadun ahad. One, one, about Allah. Many years later, they asked Bilal radiallahu anhu, why were you saying Ahadun ahad? Like, what made you keep saying that? He said, Wallahi, I kept saying it because I knew how much they hated it. And if I knew a word they hated more, I would have said it. Bilal was very staunch, radiallahu anhu. But Bilal, he was tortured severely until Abu Bakr, radiallahu anhu, the great Abu Bakr, bought him from Umayyah ibn Khalaf for a ridiculous price. And he set him free. So that he can no longer be tortured at the hands of Umayyah. And then you have the family of Yasir. Alu Yasir. An entire family that was tortured for Allah. And some of them died. For the family of Yasir was tortured. And as they are being tortured by Quraysh, the Prophet ﷺ, his heart was broken, he could not help them. Remember, early Islam, it was in a weak stage. But the Prophet ﷺ would look at the family of Yasir, and all he could say was, Be patient, O family of Yasir, your meeting, your appointment is Jannah. Be patient. And your appointment is paradise. The father Yasir was killed. The mother was stabbed. The son Ammar survived. 
He survived because the torture was so hard on him. Because they were torturing this family and they were telling them, disbelief in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, abuse Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and we will set you free. Yasir, the father and the mother, they ended up passing away. The son Ammar, he couldn't handle it. The pain was unbearable. So he done what they requested. He mentioned words about the Prophet ﷺ that they wanted to hear. And then Allah revealed the verses that this is okay. In this type of position, if you are forced and you say a word of kufr, it does not harm you as long as your faith is solid in your heart. That's from Allah's mercy. For they were tortured severely. Mus'ab ibn Umair, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the most spoiled teenager of Mecca, when he became a Muslim, his mother threatened him. She told him, you leave Islam or else you're out. And his family was very rich. Mus'ab radiallahu anhu. This is a perfect example for us. The shabab. That Allah comes before everything. He comes before the dunya. He comes before the wealth. He comes before your family. comes before everything. Mus'ab was the most spoiled teenager of Mecca because his family was very rich. So his mother told him, you either leave this religion, Islam, or you have nothing to do with us. And she kicked him out of the house. And he left. And he done hijrah to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he died in the battle of Uhud. What did he give up? He didn't give up something small, Shabab. He sacrificed everything for Allah. What do we sacrifice for Allah? We find it hard to sacrifice something so small. Whether it's our desire... Whether it's a haram that we're doing, something from the dunya, we find it so major to live for Allah. Them, they left the most major things very easily for Allah. Because they knew that this dunya ends and this dunya is worthless and without iman you're nothing. No matter what you have from the dunya. No matter what you attain from this world. You are worthless if you have no iman. See the richest person, see the person that has the largest businesses, without iman, he's worthless. He's poor. That's the reality. Iman is what makes you rich. So for them to give up the dunya for Allah was very easy. These are lessons for us, Shabab. Suhaib. Ibn Sinan radiallahu ta'ala anhu. This companion Suhaib, he was tortured by Quraysh until he would lose consciousness. Can you imagine that? They will torture him so hard physically that he would be in and out of consciousness. Radiallahu anhu. For what? For Allah. 
for worshipping Allah Azza wa Jal. One of the companions by the name of Khabbab, radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Khabbab, he was a slave. You know the slaves that became Muslim? They were tortured the most. Look at Bilal. And you have Khabbab radiallahu anhu. Khabbab, his master was a female. It was a lady that owned him from Quraysh. Even the women would torture. Khabbab, his master, this lady, she used to get a piece of iron and she would heat it up until it became very hot. And heck, like it was something normal for her. She'll sit there burning the back of Khabbab, radiallahu anhu, burning his flesh to threaten him to denounce Islam. And he didn't. And later on, Khabbab, radiallahu anhu, he said, I do not know anyone who was tortured for Allah more than myself. For who? For Allah. Does that not make us somewhat feel ashamed what they had to go through for the deen of Allah Azza wa Jal? Wallahi, this reality, my brothers and sisters, is a great reminder for anyone who has an ounce of iman in his heart. We are so quick to complain and stress and worry over the most worthless things. The dunya stresses us. We don't like to be put out of our comfort zone. We love to be comfortable. Yeah? But that's why the Sahaba, they appreciated Islam. Because they know what they had to go through for it. And when you struggle for something so greatly, that thing becomes very valuable. When you struggle so greatly for something, it becomes the most valuable thing to you. And that's why Islam was everything to them. Everything. And everything else was secondary. Another companion female companion by the name of Nazira radiallahu ta'ala anha she was also a slave her master was a female Nazira radiallahu ta'ala anha her master would torture her so greatly that she became blind Think about that, Shabab. A lady, she became blind from the torture to leave her deen and she didn't. So she became blind for Allah. Look at the sacrifice. That's a huge sacrifice. When she became blind, a companion bought her to save her and set her free. Which companion was that? Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. 
What type of man is this? What type of man is Abu Bakr? He sees the Muslim getting tortured and he spends his wealth to save them. There's no one greater than Abu Bakr after Rasulullah So she became blind and Abu Bakr bought her and set her free. When she became blind, her master would say, look, Allah and Al-Uzza, which is their gods, the gods of Quraysh, she would say, the Lat and the Uzza took her eyesight away. Huh? Statues, that's right. The statues took her eyesight away. So Nazira replied, and she said, by Allah, she's a liar. Because the Lat and the Uzza cannot harm or benefit. They're statues that you made with your own hands. After she said that, Allah gave her her eyesight back. It's Tawheed. That's Iman. Iman can do anything, my brothers and sisters. There's a hadith of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu. He said the first people to declare their Islam publicly, the first people to openly say they are Muslim were seven. Allahu Akbar. Imagine that. Seven of them went out to Quraysh in their face and said, yes, we're Muslim. The first is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. And Ammar and his mother Sumayya, and Suhaib, and Bilal, and Miqdad, radiallahu anhum. Look what he said. He said the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he openly said he's a Muslim, and he was protected through his uncle Abu Talib. Didn't Abu Talib protect the Prophet sallallahu He said, and Abu Bakr, Allah protected him through his people. Because they would have really killed Abu Bakr. But Abu Bakr came from a strong tribe. So they tortured him, but they wouldn't kill him. As for the rest, Ibn Mas'ud said, like who Bilal and Ammar, as for the rest, the Mushrikeen seized them and made them wear coats of chains. And expose them to the intense heat of the sun. Look what he says. He says, none of them, there was not one of them, except they did what Quraysh wanted them to do. Because at the end, a human is a human. Yeah, the iman is solid in the heart. But when it comes to physical torture... A person will say whatever in order to keep that physical pain off himself. So Ibn Mas'ud said, the rest of them, they all said what Quraysh wanted except Bilal. Bilal radiallahu anhu was very stubborn in a good way regarding this. He did not care what happened to him for Allah? Bilal didn't care. What would happen to him for Allah? 
And his people did not care what happened to him. Bilal was a slave. Radiallahu anhu. Then they gave Bilal to the children. Who took him around. The, the, the kids were dragging Bilal radiallahu anhu in the street. Like he was an animal dragging him around. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And he kept saying ahadun ahad. This is the hadith of Ibn Mas'ud. Subhanallah, look what they went through. Until what? Allah's victory came. Their situation didn't remain like this forever. Allah put them through a hard test. And Allah put you through a hard test to prove your iman to Allah. And once you do, that's when the doors and the victory opens. So these examples, my brothers... There's a certain lessons that we benefit from them. All of this that we just spoke about, there's certain lessons that we take. Number one, it's possible for Allah Azza wa Jal to defend the believer using a kafir. It's possible for Allah to use a kafir to defend the believer. Like the Prophet with his uncle Abu Talib. Allah defended Rasulullah through his uncle. Also from the lessons that we benefit, it's permissible for the believer to lie while he's being tortured. In this way, if he is asked to denounce his religion or to abuse his religion, as long as the iman is firm in his heart. And that's what happened with Ammar ibn Yasir. Okay, do you have to do that? No. Third lesson it's permissible not to do that. And it's permissible to remain steadfast even if you die. And where do we benefit that from? Bilal, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, who never once gave them what they wanted. And that shows you Allah's mercy, my brothers. That if you've done that or that, your iman is safe. Your iman is safe. The fourth thing that we benefit is that the tests towards the believers continues until the day of judgment. As long as there's a battle between truth and falsehood, the believers will be tested. And the tests never end. That's a huge lesson that we benefit from this. And the final lesson we take from this is the greatness of the Muhajirin, the early Sahaba of Mecca. Because this happened to them. The Sahaba of Medina, radiallahu anhu, the Ansar, as great as they are also. But they did not go through what the Muhajirin went through. And that's why many of the scholars say the Muhajirin are better than the Ansar. Because Allah mentions them first in the verses. Al-Muhajirun wal-Ansar Always Because look Look what they went through Imagine the Prophet ﷺ coming with the da'wah And then they become Muslim And then once the torture starts They all turn their backs What would have happened? The Prophet ﷺ would have been left by himself But they didn't They were convinced that this is the haq, the truth so no matter what Quraysh threw at them, 
the Sahaba were patient. And then the Prophet وسلم, in the eighth year, he came back and what did he do? Took over Mecca. And with all that they done, he didn't even punish Quraysh. He asked them, now we have the upper hand. Now the tables have turned. What do you think I'm going to do to you? They said, we've only known you to be a good man, the son of a good man. He told them, leave. Just leave. And they left. Now the victory of Allah Azza wa Jal is always guaranteed. وَالْعَاقِبَةُ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ Allah says, the ending is always for the pious. So no matter what happens, even in battle, the Muslims are known to win and lose. Now when the Prophet ﷺ became a prophet and the Sahaba were in Rome and the Romans were asking the Sahaba about the Prophet ﷺ to know is he really a prophet or not, they asked, does he win his battles or lose? And the Sahaba said he wins some and he loses some. And they said this is a sign of a prophet. Doesn't always win. But no matter how much it goes back and forth, what does Allah say? The ending is always for the believers. You'll always win as long as you're with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this, my brothers and sisters, ends our series Quraysh for the da'wah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to accept from us all. Wallahu a'lam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barak ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbi wa sallam. This program was presented by Al-Bayan Radio, the voice of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah.